Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. We have today Robert Altus. Um, Althaus, you want to tell me that Althaus, again? Althaus, yeah, Althaus. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Robert is a spiritual coach and teacher, keynote speaker, celestial philosopher, and a renegade real-world change agent. In 2021, he published his first book titled Never Enoughitis. His second book, Love and Truth, is Robert's first fully channeled work and is set to be released on September 12th, next Tuesday. Robert holds an MBA from Columbia Business School and was once a Fortune 100 executive and successful real estate and private equity entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Robert. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thank you, Barb. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm thrilled to get your view from having been Wall Street type to spiritual. Now, you were flying pretty high, and you came crashing to earth pretty hard. So you want to yeah. tell me about that? Because that is what changed your life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, l l let me first of all say that everything is spiritual. Uh, so even when you do that kind of career track, you know, that's spiritual too. And being unconscious mm -hmm. is spiritual too. And being conscious and ascending and doing those things is spiritual too. So there's nothing that's not spiritual. Um, but yeah, I, um, you know, I, I, I kind of believed, um, it was interesting. My mother was an astrologist and quite spiritual. And she gave me some of that, uh, in my childhood, in my mid teens, she was going for her own awakening. Yet my father was this hardcore CEO type that was uh, really driven. He was a product of world war II. I grew up in Holland. And so he had a really a scarcity mentality and you got to fend for yourself and you got to go make something of yourself and your worth is in your bank account, your status, your accolades, the trophies you win, the, the promotions you get. And, and so I went on that track and, you know, I was a very competitive guy. So, um, you know, I kind of went after it with a, with a vengeance and mm -hmm. uh, put myself through night school when I landed in the States in uh, the mid nineties, got into real estate, uh, did quite well there. I worked very, very hard. And um, then I got into Columbia business school you know, the Ivy League, and I was really starting to go places. And then I got picked up by G Capital, and I did uh, quite well there. I made top 1% in a few years. So in my early 30s, I was a top 1% executive at G Capital and um, rolling around in the world of big business, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I really looked uh, closely behind the curtain there because I was quite high up. And I was a rainmaker, right. as they call it. So I was a deal maker. So I flew all over the world doing deals for G Capital. And then uh, the financial crisis hit. Um, I can tell you all kinds of cowboy stories about that stuff. But that was an opportunity for me to buy out a little unit, a little orphan asset from GE. And that's how I got into business for myself. And I was, at the time, developing uh, large-scale airport infrastructure around the world. So I was dealing with the World Bank, International Monetary Fund, governments, uh, big pension funds, all that type of stuff. And, um, you know, I really saw how the world really operates. I, I was just see. thinking about that, 
How dirty and, was uh, it? <laughs> uh, it, it? It is not something that I think we want to delve too much into it. Is, uh, <laughs> but, but here's the thing in terms of my own arc of my life. Mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I had such a deep father because my father was a very stoic man. And all I wanted him to say is that he was proud of me. And he, yeah. this man, you know, in 51 years of marriage to my mother, he told her he loved her twice. So this wow. is not a man that was very expressive. And so mm-hmm. I was just seeking that, you know, I had such a deep wound. I just wanted him to be proud of me. And so I kept driving myself to just, you know, more and more and more. And I became a cog in that machinery. I became an operator. Now, I wasn't, you know, the, the, the ultimate puppet master, you know, pulling the strings, but I was part of that machinery. And I swam mm-hmm. with the big sharks. And when you swim with the big sharks. Were you aware that you what you were doing was really you know going for things, your father's these, approval or these, not really it's not like the movies it's not like yeah. you know you go from one scene to the next and suddenly you see all this stuff it, it it you know you first of all your your rise in this world is slow and so slowly but surely you know you start seeing all these things but they start being normal it's like frog you know it's mm-hmm. like boiling a, a frog in a in in, in a in water, right? If you if you put it in boiling water, it will jump out. Mm-hmm. But if you boil it very slowly, it won't get out of the pan. And this right. is sort of how this, you know, and it's the world that you operate in. And it's how everybody mm-hmm. else behaves. And, you know, you're 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 just kind of caught in that, especially when you're very driven and you have this this wound that was driving me and you want to succeed and you want to be a player and you want to be a big alpha guy and you want to have the accolades and, and and, you know, the strange thing is that the world actually applauds you mm-hmm. because you're this successful yeah. guy. You get and, rewarded. And yeah. Even your family, your friends is like, oh, he's so successful. He's got the cars, the house, the beautiful wife. He lives in the oceanfront community. He's his own entrepreneur. And so this was really the biggest disconnect when I sold most of my business in 2015 and I had reached this proverbial mountain peak. I was in my early 40s, made millions of dollars, had the oceanfront community house and the perfect wife and the perfect kids and the houses and the, and the cars and the toys and all the shiny objects mm-hmm. and the world was applauding me. But I, at that moment, kind of the train stopped because most of my workload, uh, you know, disappeared. And I just was looking at myself in the mirror and I said, what have you become? You're, mm-hmm. you're in, in many ways, you become a monster. This is not how you were raised. And what have you gotten yourself involved in? And, why did you sell? Though? Why Why did you well, step out of that world? Well, you know, um, I was what's called an operating partner. And so I had big pension funds and private equity guys above me. Everybody's got a boss in that world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, Everybody's it's not, got a like boss everywhere. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, it was advantageous for the private equity fund that invested mm-hmm. in my projects to sell uh, because they had to raise another fund and they had to show a, a, what they call a, a full circle exit. So, you know, you buy a property or your project, you run it, you build it and you sell it successfully. And now you can show to the next investor, Hey, I'm raising another fund. See how successful I was. And Hi. so they had an incentive to sell. And honestly, I really wanted to get out because I, most of my business was in Latin America and my headquarters were in Bogota. Mm-hmm. Um, you can imagine that that is uh, even a little bit a different world than operating here in the States or in Western Europe. And I really was getting to this place like I don't want to be in this anymore. 
I, I, you know, I had already kind of these inkling, like, and so when this moment came where they said, like, we're going to sell, I knew I was going to make a lot of money. I ultimately, they kind of jipped me a little bit because I was a gringo in Colombia. Um, you know, they took some out of my height, but they said, you know, here, it's still millions, so it's enough for you. And, and so I also noticed that in that world, what really um, counts is not contracts, but power. And so whoever has the power will abuse it. That's how that part of the world works. Yeah. And all of it is an abuse of power. And this is exactly why the world looks the way it does. Mm -hmm. Because those that have that type of worldly power, I mean, 99% only know to abuse it. Yeah. Now, um, I came out of that and I landed back here in Miami and I had all this time on my hand and I had... Basically, just this uh, massive, I was almost bipolar because I was like, you know, I was told this story about success and I forget all this stuff and I have it all. And I was told, the, the world told me, if I get all of this, I'll be happy. I'll mm -hmm. be, I'll be, I'll be like, I'll, I'll, I'll be made. And I was never more disillusioned, empty, and I had this void inside of me. Now, mind you, I had gone what I call local in Colombia. So, you know, I had, you know, cheated on my wife. I had, um, you know, gotten into business deals that were unscrupulous. And, you know, and, and that's mm -hmm. so much that, you know, I didn't kill anybody or whatever. But, you know, abuse of power. I did it, too. Yeah. I abused and my it was power standard. It was standard business. Operation. Everybody does it. This yeah. is how it works. I was part mm -hmm. of large, you know, deals with the World Bank, IMF, with governments, you know, I didn't corrupt, but I know it was happening on my account. Uh, I was yeah. part of that machinery. This is how things get lubed in the world. This is how big multinationals, big companies, pension funds. This is how they get political power. This is, you know, an access to, you know, um, I was working with airport concessions and how those are awarded. You can imagine, you know, mm -hmm. that everybody, uh, there's a lot of lubing going on in those types of things. And it's all done in a very, very sophisticated way that you would never find out about. Mm -hmm. But I knew in my heart what I was part yeah. of. And I yeah. had slowly but surely sold my soul. And the reconciliation was when all it was said and done, I was looking at myself in the mirror and I really had this, this conflict in that, you know, I would go to neighborhood parties and these rich neighborhoods here in Miami and, I was like, man, these people just have no idea what the world is all about. And everybody was so proud of me. And, hey, you did so well. And you had this big exit. And to me, it felt like, you know, it's actually really blood money. Mm -hmm. There's no honor in it. I lost my yeah. honor. I lost my values. I screwed people. I have a whole, yeah, I'm very successful outwardly facing. Mm -hmm. But I was starting to have this notion like there's a path of debris behind me of broken hearts, you know, people that I outsmarted because that's what you do, yeah. you know, abuse of your power at my level, wherever I was. And so I had a spiritual awakening. It was quite profound. My claircognizance and clairsentience came online almost overnight. So basically my crown chakra, that blew wide open. And now I have all this knowing and feeling and I feel all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. See, I feel what I did to everybody. So now I'm really heartbroken and now I'm really have a <laughs> conflict with my soul 
because yeah. I yeah. had been numbing it. I had been numbing it with debaucherie and gluttony and buying more houses and toys and having you know right. girlfriends on right. the side. Try to this go is out. How we numb ourselves. Yeah. But because why did actually... why did you open up to your your clairs, your psychic abilities? What opened you? How did that just you know, happen? I'm a I'm a big believer that um, the universe decides when it's time for mm-hmm. us to awaken. It drops. I call it. It drops the truth serum. Yeah. And the only choice you have at that moment in your life is when you actually uh, heed to that call. But you are mm-hmm. going to awaken. And so right. for me, no it happened. In, there. It, no, because when the universe has said it's you're ready, you're ready. And the only choice you have is when you start on that road, on that mm-hmm. path. But the choice is not option. That's my understanding. And that's what I see with my clients. That's what I see in my own life. And so once we awaken, and for me, it was a profound awakening. Usually it goes a little bit slower. You kind of, you know, tiptoe into that world. For me, right. it was just an abrupt end of a chapter of my life. And is then, that what you call I- divine gifts wrapped in sandpaper? Well, I call or is that crisis, something different? I, no, I call crisis, catastrophe, and calamity. However, <laughs> whichever way it shows up in our lives, those are divine gifts wrapped in sandpaper. So when you okay. have a divorce, uh, you know, a heartbreak, uh, you lose a job, you lose your business, you know, mm-hmm. there's stuff that happens in life, right? And it happens to yeah. all of us. In right. every single crash one of those. Is- yeah, we tend to see them as, oh, you know, this happened to me and it's so terrible and life is all this. And actually what it really is, is a gift wrapped in sandpaper. And your invitation mm-hmm. at that moment, right, is to unwrap and get through the sandpaper so you can actually get to the gift in it. Because there's nothing that happened. There's no flukes, accidents, random events, or coincidences in this universe. There is nothing that will happen to you that, you know, isn't in perfect order. Even when yeah. it shows up as a crisis, catastrophe, or calamity, there's a mm-hmm. gift in it. There's a lesson in it. And usually it's a crucible in our life. Yeah. And this crucible always, is a choice. I always find choice, if it's not uncomfortable, yeah. you're not changing. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, for sure. And so yeah. I was I, I was confronted with this major crucible that something mm-hmm. inside of me was really protesting. And then, I, you know, for a little bit, I tried to go back in that world. I was like, yeah. you know, maybe, I, you know, my mind was telling me, well, maybe you need to just go back to doing business, you know, it'll be all right, make more money. Maybe, maybe it wasn't enough. Maybe there's a, you know, you need to climb a higher mountain on the same stuff. <laughs> and then what I found, you know, I put the deck together like I always used to, and I would call my, some of my investors and in relationships and I would go to them and I would pitch it and I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. I could not. And, and this is a guy that was ultra successful for 25 years. I could sell sand in the desert. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it anymore. I didn't care about it anymore. I saw all these these people, and they're nice people. There's nothing wrong with them, but um, they just already are. But my my heart wasn't into it anymore. I said, I can't do it anymore. We're moving numbers around on a spreadsheet. There's got to be more to life than just making my investors rich and, and me getting well compensated doing it. There's got to be more mm-hmm. to life than this. I didn't have all the answers at the time, though. So this was the journey that I started pushing on. And, you know, I am a very a driven, high energy kind of alpha guy. So I, I said, you know, I'm going to go into spirituality. And I had the money and the means 
to go to every resort or every you know workshop retreat. I became a certified yoga teacher. I thought maybe that's the answer. I read hundreds of books. I really went after it. And slowly but surely, for me, the intelligence of life kind of started revealing itself. Mm-hmm. And I started, you know, and but then I, I had a major turnaround year in 2017 because my father passed away um, in the early part of the year. And I really, I thought I cleared the wound, but I really hadn't because I was at his memorial service and there were all these old friends, family friends. I was back in Holland, of course. And, and, you know, they all came up to me and they said, oh my God, you know, your father could never shut up about you. He was so proud. He was so this, so that. And I remember that night I just broke down. Yeah. Because that's all I ever wanted him to tell me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had some healing to do there. And then in the, in the suburb, late summer and early September around Labor Day, I, I finally decided that, um, you know, it was best for me and my, my wife to get divorced. We were just on different planes. I have already gone so deeply into the spirituality and she just wasn't, that wasn't her world. I had changed. Yeah. And so I made that very difficult decision because we had three young kids. And, uh, and then a week later, I bought kind of a out of Ubers. I bought a big deal in the Keys. It was a restaurant business, almost 100 employees. And Hurricane Irma wiped it out. Wow! And and at the same time, I had a solar company under contract. On October 1st, Mm -hmm. I had gone hard on a half a million dollars in uh, two weeks before that. And so, two and a half weeks after this hurricane wipes out this place, which I personally guarantee a loan, I have to, you know, buy this company. So I decided mm-hmm. to do it. Now I was really over my skis. And then we couldn't get the permits to rebuild. And then the insurance said, we're not going to pay you. There was no wind damage. We're not paying you. And then it's all cascaded that by December, I was wow. finalizing my divorce. I was talking to the uh, bankruptcy lawyers. And basically, my whole life had just been evaporated. Mm-hmm. All of it was in, in shambles, in disrepair. The money. So a lot of, of sandpaper. A lot of sandpaper. There was a lot of sandpaper. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'll tell you now, humbly, is the best thing that ever happened to me. Because mm-hmm. if I would have been able to stay on that sort of gravy train, I would have never had the spiritual courage to actually push through with this, um, you know, getting over the spiritual threshold. And there's several mm-hmm. spiritual thresholds we need to get over. And the only way to get over it is spiritual courage and spiritual fortitude. Now, because I, I was just wiped out, there was just nothing left of me. I was, I was just, I was a broken man. Mm-hmm. And from a broken man, the Phoenix rises from the ashes, but the Phoenix first has to burn. It's got the, the, the it's gotta go. And so were you emotionally really- broken at that point or relieved? Or you or not physically, <laughs> physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I was wrecked. And it's okay. actually in my book I describe, I made this pivotal decision in December, you know, and, and just when we finalized the divorce, um, the irony here, I, I decided I need to go into therapy because I cannot solve this by myself. And so yeah. here's the irony. I We had like a year and a half earlier, we tried to do couple counseling, you know, and we went to this really nice uh, psychologist. And she, uh, Marilyn was her name. And after two or three sessions, you know, I walked out. I said, you know, this is horseshit. You know, I got no time for this. Mm-hmm. 
You know, my wife was, of course, crying all the time and saying, he's, you know, I, I can't connect with him anymore. And I was numb. I was emotionally numb because everything was yeah. going on. And, um, and so I called this Marilyn. I didn't know who else to call. And she said, well, come in for one session. I ended up working with her for three months, three times a week. Wow. And it got me back on my feet enough. And then I left the, left the, because she was actually quite spiritually oriented. And she mm -hmm. kind of guided me on that path and just got me back on my feet. And then really this spiritual ascension, the rising really started to go um, at, a, at a very accelerated pace because now I, the divorce was behind me. Suddenly, you know, we saw some uh, ways to rebuild that business. So at least I wasn't going to go bankrupt. Um, and, you know, I started kind of piecing it together, but I, I, there was no, no way back to the old life anymore. This was, I right. have to move forward. And I started getting a lot of uh, precognition. I started getting a lot of instructions, a lot of guidance, a lot of, you know, uh, what do you call it? Your angels, your guides, your masters. And mm -hmm. at that moment, I was really very clearly shown what I'm really here to do. And so to transmute this story that I live and transmute it for myself so I can teach others. Mm -hmm. And this is why I had to go to Columbia Business School and I had to run around in these highest circles and I had to be all that because you cannot teach unless you, it's embodied. And I've lived that. So I can talk about it from an embodied perspective. Because this isn't just a story I read in a book. No, I lived right. it. Right? So this so was... I was yeah. This was really, you talk quite a bit about integrity, and this was your call to Jesus on your integrity, on who are you, really? Yeah, and, and integrity, especially on the masculine. Um, of course, it, it, it applies to the feminine as well, but for the masculine, you know, without integrity, you're out of truth. Mm -hmm. And the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so if you, um, and, and the way your life really shapes, you know, takes shape is everything you do when nobody's watching. Mm -hmm. It's not the stuff you do when everybody is paying attention. Right? It's how you do everything else. That's well, it's really the match life. inside of you, isn't it? It's the match inside that this is you. It's a course. It's but a vibratory course. How did you get from not knowing yourself at all? I mean, on your website, the whole thing is know yourself, know thyself. And that was, that was my journey. Yeah. Right. So to come from somebody you had created, mostly for your father, to yeah. who are you? Right. Did that come so, in one blast or was that a step by no, step? No, that was that was that was years of because, you know, our ego and our personality and when we're identified with that, right, we mm -hmm. think of ourselves like I'm that voice in my head and I'm that successful guy or whatever your programming is. I'm that business guy. I'm that alpha guy. I'm the this or that. Whatever you think of yourself, ego-wise, right. personality-wise. Right. Right? All the labels and, you have. And, you, yeah. and, and that's really the role you're playing out in, in this movie of life. Now, mm -hmm. what happened in the awakening, I started also learning and I'm reading books and I, I, I got into spiritual teachings and I'm like, well, I'm actually not that voice. I'm not that ego. I'm not even the body. I have a body. 
And mm -hmm. I can actually observe the thoughts. And as Aristotle said, the mark of a wise man is that man that can dismiss a thought or not. What he's talking about is being the observer and not be caught up in what the ego tells us all the time, which is really just mostly subconscious programming from early childhood and, and our early experiences in life. But we are much larger than that. And so this, this sense of, hey, there's actually something very different inside of me that I am. Now, later I could give this words. So you can say that it's a soul, it's consciousness expressing itself in the form. Uh, I, I'm not attached to words. And for instance, in my book, I use many different words. Because if you prefer the word God, I'm happy to use the word God. But if your universal mind of infinite intelligence or quantum field and science terms, if that resonates more with you, it's all the same thing. We're pointing at the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I started realizing, like, I'm not this little, you know, kind of sleepwalking guy that's his personality. I'm actually a sovereign soul that can make his own decisions, that can change his mind, change his thoughts, change his beliefs, and certainly change his views on life. And the prevailing views you have on life is how life will show up for you. So if you think the world is unfair... You will see nothing but unfair in the world. If you think the world is fair, you will see nothing but fair. If you are afraid of your own shadow, you will see nothing but fear-induced situations. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not that that's not there. But the thing is, you know, our awareness is an aperture. So when we awaken, this aperture opens up. Right? And the more this aperture opens up as we rise in consciousness the more of reality can we grasp. And so now we can see, hey, my own thoughts and beliefs are creating actually those things in my life. Mm -hmm. And so if I change the thoughts and beliefs and I become truly a sovereign critical thinker and I don't just do what my mind tells me to do, but I actually, you know, what do I want to be? What do I want to express into this world? And so in my book, I go into this, you know, we're all really, truly spiritual poets here to express our greatest spiritual art as an expression, right? And add it to the canvas of all of creation. Every human being here is here to grow and evolve. That is really what we're here to do. Now, grow and to evolve. To expand our soul. Yeah. yeah. Expand to, our to soul. Actually, to actually get back home and whatever you want to call home. And what's home? Home is love. And how do you get there? By realizing the truth. And the truth is, all the stuff that society tells us and all these paradigms and dogmas and all these ideologies, that is not the truth. You know, it's very interesting. Someone asked me one day, um, you know, why do you think there's all these religions and they're all so different? I said, well, that's one way to look at it. But I can tell you, for instance, that every single ancient wisdom tradition, even the indigenous wisdom traditions, and I studied them all, they all have the golden rule. Do unto others as you wish to be done unto you. Now, if you could just choose one thing to start focusing on in your life, just go live the golden rule. See what changes in your life. It will create massive shifts. Right? And so... We also know intuitively, if I tell my my 12 or my 10-year-old the golden rule and I explain it, 
because it's actually truth. It's not my relative truth. That statement is absolute truth. Mm-hmm. Right? We each have just relative truth. We see it through our lens of perception. But that is absolute truth. Even my 10-year-old will hear that statement and he will know, yes, that's the right way. Now, that doesn't mean we all live that way. Right. But we all know when we hear that, when we all hear that, right, mm-hmm. we know that's we know that's true. And we know that if 8 billion people would honor that rule, that this world would look fundamentally different. We all know that. Yeah. Not a question. If we would How do we get from reactive up, to proactive? We are all well, so reactive. You yeah, know that yeah, well, you know somebody does something and we react in a way that doesn't yeah. honor that <laughs> that yeah, fundamental. Yeah. So, so 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 Viktor Frankl is a um he's a really interesting guy. He was a Holocaust survivor. He wrote he was a psychologist well Austrian of, psychologist. Isn't it the meaning of man? I think he wrote. Yeah, the meaning of man. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. and he has a very powerful statement that's really profound. He says, whenever someone says something to me or something happens to us, there is a moment between reaction and response. Mm-hmm. Now, a reaction is instinctive. It's usually based on our wounds, on our beliefs. Or, you know, we were insulted and then we just have to hit back. And he says, but a response is we actually have this split second where we can just think about it. And then you can ask yourself, how do I respond in love about this? Now, the more you can stretch that moment from reaction to response, the more aware you will be about your own role in all of it. Because you're not responsible for the other person saying a mean thing, but -hmm. you are responsible how you respond to it. Now, if your response is just a reaction, Right. That is just all based on your beliefs. It's really unconscious. Now, so now mm-hmm. we're talking about consciousness. Well, consciousness has levels. Uh, there's a really beautiful book by David Hawkins called The Map of Consciousness. He's mapped this. He's actually scientifically muscle tested this and, and documented this. And it goes from, you know, the, the zero, basically a thousand. Now, imagine Jesus is a thousand and Lord Krishna and Buddha is a thousand. Uh, there's no living creatures today on earth that are that resonant. Now, what happens in consciousness, right? When before we're you go level, into that, uh, before you go into that, I want to take a break. And then right. when we come back, we're going to talk about the levels of consciousness. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. One thing's for certain. Life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. 
and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. We're back with Robert Altas, and we are talking, we left you with the levels of consciousness, which we're coming back to talk about. So if we can go back into the levels of consciousness that you were talking about. And during the break, we talked a little bit about the home, the the internal, right. and you started to talk again about the inner world. Yeah. yeah. So let yeah. me, and, and remind me to get to a little bit back to this uh, map of consciousness, because I think it's really helpful maybe to explain, well, what is this consciousness? Everybody talks about consciousness. What is it? Well, everything is consciousness. Now, consciousness has two states. It's manifest or it's unmanifest. Now, unmanifested consciousness is everything we call space or nothingness or whatever. Now, we know from quantum physics that is full of energy. That's full of intelligence. That's full of information because all light is information. Einstein said this, right? Now, consciousness can manifest itself into form. And so every human, animal, tree, plant, um, rock, kernel of sand, you know, everything is this consciousness that can convert itself into form. Now, we know from quantum physics that actually happens when the frequency of consciousness changes and it appears to you and me as form. It's still just energy, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to take you a little bit on a spin because people say, well, what about God? Well, it's all of consciousness is God or source or creator or whatever you want to call it. In, In hermetic wisdom, They call this the all. Nothing is not the all. It's all God. The mosquito that bites you at night is God expressing itself as a mosquito. Now, every tree, this actually points at the sacredness of all of creation. Everything is sacred. No matter how it might appear to you in your perceptions, everything is sacred. Now, so imagine God, you know, unmanifested. It's just consciousness. There's nothing going on. It's just a, a, a God. So we say, you know, and, and God wanted to experience itself. So it started creating universes and galaxies and organisms and plants and rocks and nature and people. And so God expresses itself in the individual form, in, for instance, in humans. We are all a small individuated part of this God expressing itself into form. So we are a unique individuated part. But imagine right now, Barb, God is experiencing life through your eyes, talking to this guy called Robert. And this Robert guy, this is God experiencing itself, talking to Barb through my eyes colored by my life experience, by my ancestral upbringing, by my uh, ancestral line, right? And we do this repeatedly. We This is an infinite game. I talk about this in the book. Because this is all about evolution and expansion. This entire universe, all it does is expanding. Now, what is it expanding in? It's expanding and experiencing itself. 
and it's expanding and it's going to ever greater levels of understanding of itself. And so we are each an individuated part. Now, in the Hermetic philosophy, there's a beautiful saying is, you know, all is in the all. So all of creation is in the all, right? All of creation is in God. But at the same time, it can be said that the all is in all. God is in everything. Mm -hmm. And so this is when you start looking at the world and you're like, you know, these wars and violence and hate and pollution and injustices and inequalities. And your business dealings. <laughs> and my business dealings, I have to reconcile. Mm -hmm. Because right. really when we... When we actually um, violate the sacredness of everything, anything, like we say, oh, you know, but uh, that's a that's an ISIS guy. No, that is also God expressing itself in that form. I'm not saying that they're doing that. That, that you know, and there's a lot of people doing a lot of ugly things, but yeah. why are they doing that? Fundamentally, they are not aware who they are. They think they're. This human being, their thoughts, they were born into the ideology, they were taught, you know, hate and racism and those things in their upbringing, in their surroundings, maybe in their culture, maybe even through their religion. You know, we know the Catholic Church, the Inquisition, these weren't actually, you know, that was very unsavory, right? Some of the most, <laughs> the, the most, most grandiose brutalities have been done under the auspices of so-called religions. Right. I'm not saying but anything can I ask bad about that, religions. Yeah. Is is that also God? Is that God yes. wanting to experience the negative, the flip side? Not is only that, that. Also God. Not only that. Not only that. But here, here we have free will, and so we have a choice. And anything you do to violate any of the sacredness of all of creation creates a karmic debt, and you will over all your lifetimes pay for your karmic debts, right? And so this is a, a process of evolution. This is a process of refining ourselves. Now, at lower levels of consciousness, so here we're tying it back into lower levels of consciousness. So what happens at lower levels of consciousness, where you're basically what we call your unconscious? When you're unconscious and you are not aware of your divinity within, you're not aware, really, of your heart's intelligence, which is the way your soul whispers to you and how you access this vast ocean of intelligence in this whole universe. And the language of the heart is feeling, sensing, intuiting, and direct knowing. It's actually our feminine intelligence center where our mind, our rational mind, our logical mind is our masculine intelligence center. Our mind is based on just our lifetime here on earth. It's it looks at all the experiences over our lifetime and it has cultivated an understanding of how life operates. So when you ask someone that grew up in Japan certain questions, they'll have a very different view on life than someone that grew up in Ohio mm -hmm. or someone that grew up in the Amazon, an indigenous tribe, because they, you know, we, we, we understand the world through our upbringing, through our cultural environment, right? And we look through that lens, and that's a foggy lens. Because who says also the Japanese our personality guy is too, right? Also our personality, our personality which well, we were we born with, you know. And Don't so you believe that? part of the journey, 
Yeah. So part of the journey here on earth is actually to get the truth. And the truth is not your culture, your upbringing, the ideology, all that. The truth is actually that all of it is God expressing itself. Everything is sacred, right? And at lower levels of consciousness, the problem we have is that we're really operating from our lizard brain. This is our most primal part of our brain. Our amygdala is hypersensitive, meaning it sees only danger. It thinks everything is dangerous. Everything, and so we're fear-driven. Am I going to have enough to eat? Uh, if I don't get this job, or I don't get this, or I don't get that, or, you know, and so everything we do is basically fear motivated, mm -hmm. right? And we seek, and, and, and humans have only two basic things they do. They seek pleasure or they avoid pain. So seeking pleasure or gain versus avoiding pain or suffering. Those are mm -hmm. our, our core psychological drivers. So when we have this consciousness of fear, we will look at someone of a different skin color and say, well, they're dangerous. We will look at someone of a different nationality or even a different gender or a different, different in any way. We'll, we'll yeah. look at something like, well, you know, I am this religion and that person is that religion. So that person, you know, I'm afraid of that person. They're different. Mm -hmm. Now, once we rise to higher levels of intelligence, this is what happens. Because our intelligence, our, our consciousness has three and what I call constituent attributes. I describe all this in my book. So our consciousness has three basic cornerstones. It's awareness, intelligence, and energy. Now, let me explain those real quick. Awareness is the observer that actually is observing all of this. Because if you listen to your mind right now, who's observing that? Who's listening to the thoughts in your mind? That is <laughs> yeah. your awareness, right? And this awareness has this aperture I described. So the higher you go up in consciousness, the wider this aperture. And Buckminster Fuller said, you know, we generally population, you know, we see like 1% of reality. But there's a lot more going on that you're not seeing at lower levels of consciousness. You just can't see it. Like explaining the color orange and the sea of red to the colorblind. You're just not seeing, right? And intelligence, there's an intelligence that is pervasive throughout consciousness, throughout this whole universe. And we have intelligence too, because... How did two cells come together when your parents made love, right? And those two cells already knew how to create your entire body and do trillions of functions every second. What is, what is animating that? There's intelligence there. There must be. Right. And so the atheists usually say, well, you know, there are a couple of rocks that banged into each other, and then suddenly we had, like, complex life. It makes no sense. Because you can't get from that story to the sort of complex life we see all around us. There's an intelligence in nature. There's an intelligence in everything. Right? Mm -hmm. And so there's an intelligence in us. We don't have to think about our heartbeat, our breath, our digestion. You know how many functions are going on in every second of every day? And your DNA is actually your sort of your software that is being expressed by this intelligence. And we know now from DNA that, you know, that's called epigenetics, that depending on what you think, right, some DNA will switch on or switch off. So you might be family-wise predestined for cancer, but that actually doesn't mean that you need to have cancer because it's epigenetic in nature. And so there's an intelligence there, right? Now, energy, everything is fundamentally energy. 
It appears to us as form when it's frequent and then the frequency actually reduces. And we have life force energy. We know that. We call that in Christianity mm -hmm. spirit. But we call that life force energy, chi in, in, the, in the Chinese traditions. We call it prana in the Vedic traditions. It's all the same thing. The Indians uh, or the indigenous cultures, they talk about the great spirit that runs through us. And they see the great mm -hmm. spirit that animates them as the same great spirit that animates the entire universe. They don't see any disconnection between that. They are actually exactly talking about this, right? And so in my book, I describe this from all angles because, you know, all ancient wisdom tradition, ever, even Christianity talked about this. Even Jesus talked about this, you know, in, in the words and language of their time. Now, so here we are. As we rise in consciousness, what happens? Our aperture opens up. Our intelligence goes up. Now, this is not the intelligence like your IQ. You can do a better math test. So the way intelligence is defined by the universe is intelligence is that which creates uh, intelligent outcomes. And intelligent outcomes is that which is conducive to life itself. Look at nature. Always conducive to life, always regenerative, always rebuilding itself, always reconstituting itself, always evolving itself to ever greater forms of complexity, right? Now, that also means that unintelligence, unintelligence creates unintelligent outcomes, and that is everything that's not conducive to life itself. Wars, violence, injustices, you know, um, any kind of form of violation of earth, pollution, the inequality, flip side injustices. Of that coin. Yeah, the flip side and of the, the coin. Reason, the reason is low levels of consciousness because we don't have the level of intelligence to see the big picture. Now, Einstein said, you cannot solve a problem at the same level of thinking that created it. Albert Einstein, right? So when he's saying about the same level of thinking, he's talking about intelligence. So here's the thing. We don't have any problems in this world. We don't have any challenges in this world except one. We are in a race to raise human consciousness. Because at higher levels of consciousness, we have access to a greater level of intelligence, which will produce intelligent outcomes, and all solutions will be self-evident. This is not just... A spiritual guy saying this. This was Einstein, David Bohr, or Niels Bohr, David Bohm, you know, Buckminster Fuller, Ralph Waldo Emerson. I can go down the list. They all pointed at this. Robert, are you seeing this intelligence or this rise in intelligence? hundred percent. We are we in are our in the, world. <laughs> oh, let, let me tell you, we we are um we are in an epic, epic time. In, in in humanity evolution we are at a, at a at a crucible because you know in the vedic traditions i can even tell you that has to do with the planetary movements and so so the frequency of mother earth is rising we know that mm -hmm. because it has a schumann resonance and we can measure so right. you know right. schumann resonance you can google it we can measure that and her energy is rising and actually how you know we we don't we don't move we don't have our own little sun and a few planets you know and, and we're around actually all of that is moving through, through space mm -hmm. and so it's moving and and rising through space space time 
And with that is a, is a slow but very um, noticeable uptick in frequency. Now, when the frequency goes up, we get activated as humans. And this is really what's happening. And this is, is why this we're seeing so the much. Is this the pole switch? Well, um, yeah, the there's a wobble in the earth uh, that has a little bit to do with it. Um, it wobbles always a little bit, but it has more to do with just the frequency rising. And so what's happening in humanity um, we are going through what some people call the Great Awakening, but this frequency mm -hmm. basically wakes people up um, because there, there's there's an Atman or in Christianity, it's called a sacred heart. It's that little heart with a barbed wire and a cut in it. You see it on Jesus' depictions. Mm -hmm. That same place has what we call in Vedic traditions the Atman, which is the seat of your soul. And that seat of your soul Imagine a thread of consciousness that runs through it, runs all through your chakras. And imagine that being like a string that has a vibratory accord. Now, the vibration of that, that string of consciousness actually determines your level of consciousness. And so mm -hmm. the higher that vibration, the higher your level of consciousness. Now, when the universe is upgrading its frequency, just like you have two tuning forks, right? If you have if you if you have two tuning forks of similar resonance, and you activate or excite one, the other one will start vibrating, right? You, you've seen mm -hmm. those on YouTube. So this is a little bit what's going on because basically our our universe is starting to have a higher frequency, and those of us who are ready and in resonance with that, it activates our consciousness. So now we have all kinds of people awakening. What is really happening in the world is we have this consciousness of rising. And so why do we see all this chaos and disruption and wars and all this stuff? Because those that are in those places of power we talked at the very beginning about, right? right. They, are, they are scrambling to hold on to power. And, and what are we seeing in the news all the time? And it's dripping in, right? We see like an Epstein and, and all the stuff that he did. We see corruption. We see greed. We see all Harvey Weinstein that's being sentenced. And so right. all right. the, the, truth, the yeah. truth is starting to float up. And of course, mm -hmm. everybody that's part of that world is trying to suppress that, but they can't. Because there's a there's a organic buoyancy to the truth, and it will eventually rise to the surface, always. Now, a falsehood has to be suppressed with force. Mm -hmm. Now, look at every look for history, and not even projected on this time frame. Whenever you have a dictatorship, uh, a demagogue, or whatever, they have to use force. It's never based on power. It's never based on democracy. It's never based on voting. Look at all every communist state. Look at North Korea. Look at Venezuela. How do how do I keep that in place? It's force. Right. Fear. Yeah. You know what? Right. I have to stop you. I hate to all stop right. you I'm here. Sorry. I feel like well, we're we only halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. I'm but happy. You know I'm what? Happy to check Let that. me yeah. stop you here and then we will keep going if you have the time. But yeah, um I, but I'm as of right it. now, I want I want you to tell everybody where they can get hold of you and where they can get your new book coming out, Love and Truth. It'll right. be coming well, out you. on Tuesday. So where can they Yeah, get no, that? I really appreciate that. So I have a website that's uh, robertalthuis.com, A-L-T-H-U-I-S.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Robert Althaus, uh, TikTok, Robert Althaus. On Facebook, it's More Love Plus Truth. 
And then my mm-hmm. book that's coming out is Love Plus Truth. It will be available on Amazon and all major booksellers on this Tuesday. It's a 650-page. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, well, I don't know if you can see it. It's a beautiful, yeah. thick book. That's what I said. And, Whoever your channel was, was chatty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 650, it's a, it's a, yeah. It's a channel work, but it goes very deep into really how we can express ourselves as spiritual art. And I explain everything, and I compare it with quantum physics, and I show sacred geometry and how all these things come together. So it's not just a bunch of woo-woo stuff. It's actually for but the it's one very that, readable too. It's you know it's very re- that's what I hear. I, I don't I write want anybody pretty, to get intimidated. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I like to keep it real because I'm still a business mm-hmm. guy too, you know, and I believe in spirituality right. that's rooted in actually living it daily, right? Because you can meditate and, and have a macrobiotic uh, diet and you can do breath work and all that stuff. And if you're still an asshole to the cashier at the supermarket, you haven't learned right. a damn thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You haven't learned one single thing. So mm-hmm. I'm really big on bringing spirituality, which is can be fluffy. And like, and this is what this book is about. Like, how do I bring it actually into my life? Like where the rubber meets the road. And how do I do that? And how do I make in that way, my life more beautiful? And by doing that, how do I make the world more beautiful? Thank you, Robert, for being on the show. I want our audience to know that Robert and I are going to continue our conversation and we're going to bring it over to my YouTube channel of Youth of the Veil, where we continue with Robert Althaus on his new book, Love and Truth. I hope you join us there. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.